What did we just watch tonight? It's the Catfish Podcast, episode 30. And episode 30 might be the best episode we've ever had as far as reacting to everything that's happened since the last time we saw everyone. This is Chad Benton, your host, with Colin Bloom and Rich Howe. Are you guys, uh, have you guys caught your breath yet after what, seeing what we just saw? I'm Rocco awesome. Show. <laughs> yeah. The Rocco, so, Rocco so, a new version of Rocco's Modern Life here. Rocco's Modern Life. Uh, what did, I'm I so, mean, it was. I'm still riding the high a little bit. I mean, I, I've been, I was tweeting from the Catfish account. My thumbs haven't slowed down. Like, it was just nonstop yeah. tonight. Other than the second your fingers have got to be, your fingers have got to be pretty sore right now after uh, following that game. <laughs> Uh, in a good way. We've got so we've got so much to get into for episode thirty. Uh, we're we, we're going to get into everything we just saw in this crazy Preds game where they just won seven one over the Red Wings, and Rocco Grimaldi just scored four goals. He scored a hat trick in the first period. We're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about everything else that happened in the game, but we've also got to talk about this. First of all, I would have never thought that at this point in the Preds season that hot mic would be a more popular two words to be talking about the Preds right now than uh, who will they trade, basically. Like, it's like hot mic has been, like, the most common two words associated with the Preds going into tonight's game. Now it's Rocco Grimaldi. But either way, we've got to talk about this controversy with Tim Peel and how we feel about NHL officiating as a whole, what this brings up. We've got a lot of opinions to discuss from all three of us regarding that. And then since it's trade season, we have to get into the best and worst trades in Preds history, or at least we're, we're actually going to span over the last decade uh, for sure, because those are when a lot of the big trades have happened. So we're going to get into that. We are, of course, presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. To bet on the NCAA tournament right now, you can bet $1 on any tournament, NCAA tournament game and win $100 if your team that you choose wins. Uh, so get the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the win. That's code THPN. Turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And if college basketball is not your thing, then DraftKings literally has every sport you could care about. And it's an awesome app. It's very user-friendly. You can win a lot of money. So definitely go get the app. So we just saw Rocco Grimaldi score a hat trick in the first period. And not even just in the first period, but in a very short amount of time. I think it was somewhere around like two minutes and 40-something seconds is I think what I saw. 2.34. 2.34 is the official time span that Rocco Grimaldi made a hat trick. And we're not talking about a team here in the Preds that are – not they're not lights out offensively. We know that we've we've got headaches over it over the season of seeing them try to score goals. And then we're talking about Rocco Grimaldi, a guy who had three goals on the whole season mm-hmm. coming into the game. Now we all know how great of an offensive player Rocco Grimaldi is, but if you're outside of the Nashville market and you're not a diehard NHL fan and purist, you're going to be asking who the hell is Rocco Grimaldi <laughs> that just scored four goals in a game tonight. 
Uh, Rich, lead us off, man. Rich, what are your what are some of your biggest thoughts coming out of this game? And of course, Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah, so I missed I missed the first period, unfortunately, and that was where I I know, right? Poor guy. So, so I kept checking the score, and I know like we were all talking back and forth in the the Predlines chat room and stuff, and I was like, "What just happened?" It was yeah, like said, nothing, I think your nothing. exact words. I think your exact word words were, "What the hell is happening?" What the hell is happening? Exactly. I was like, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that's couldn't happen to a nicer guy, right? Rocco Grimaldi, man. I mean, oh, that's such just, an easy, such an easy player to cheer for. He really yeah. Is. So. So when I found out that it was 234 was the record, I looked up the record. You know what the record is? For a hat yeah, trick? I, saw, I saw 21 seconds. 21 seconds back in 1952. I don't know even how that's possible. But. That was before helmets when when the sticks were yeah. just – Yeah, we're going to disregard. That's a cool record, but we're going to disregard that one. Yeah. But I did but, see an, another uh, – I got to pull this up too so I can give proper credit. But I did see that Braden Point actually had a hat trick in a very short amount of time to make it – the uh, more modern times. I actually yeah, get yeah. the exact numbers on that, and I'll, I'll give credit to the person who shared that with us because uh, I do remember actually seeing that live when it happened. Uh, but either way, either way, what an incredible accomplishment by Rocco Grimaldi! And then again, hats off to Soros, man. Yeah, hats yeah. off to Soros. I mean, it Ooh. comes against a very uh, a team it, that that couldn't score against. It does, but. You know what? But you get – yeah, again, he is locked in for sure, UC Sonics. He is definitely locked in. Yeah, it was good to see you, man. What about I mean, you, I Colin? Was, Colin, give weird, us some man. of your thoughts on it, man. I mean, it was just – it was a whirlwind. Like I said, it was kind of like – it was it was fun, but it was also a little <laughs> stressful because I'm watching the first – I'm like, all right, Rocco, good way to open the game because we yeah. started out in our zone. And so I was like, all right, we're kind of easing into things. And all of a sudden, something just clicked because we – I mean, we were clearing the zone tonight. We were we looked good in transition. Like that neutral zone was ours. We own that thing. I, this is the first game I can confidently say that we own the neutral zone. I mean, it was just fun to watch. But that first goal goes, and you're like, all right, good pace setting. I'll like see it for Rocco. Yeah. And then like I'm I'm getting the tweet, getting the gift because y'all know how I like the the spicy <laughs> gifts. And, yeah. and I tweeted out, and literally a second later, it's like he scores again. I'm like, all right, you gotta be kidding me. So I'm I'm making the tweet again, and then before I can even hit send on the second tweet, he scores the third one. I'm like. All right, that that's this yeah. is how it's gonna go. So I, I love it. And then Tolman, and just to finish it off in the first period, scores oh, a, a ripper. I mean, it's just yeah, they were showing the replay, and he literally could not get his glove up as fast as the shot was moving. There's there's no, I made no the way. Joke. After, after that goal was scored by Tolman, and I made the joke of okay, Thomas Grice was was still looking behind him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. after I that mean, goal was scored, just, yeah. like it, it had been scored like two seconds before, and he was still looking behind him. Like, where is this puck? Yeah. I mean, I saw it's that, crazy the skill he has, Tolvin has, to yeah. score from that spot. I saw that he scored, and I was sitting there thinking I wanted to ask you guys, how exciting is it to have a player just that's going to be awesome in the future? Like, just well, he's such a great – He's awesome now. I know, yeah, but, I mean, like, just, he's not even in his prime. He's still, like, still raw. I have, but, I have somebody yeah. with that skill level – I mean, in a few years, man, he's going to well, be amazing. And I think I even said, like, in the it was an episode or one or two episodes ago, but like, he shoots from the same place as Alex Ovechkin. Yeah, his release is like a snap, like Alex Ovechkin's uh, when yeah. he was younger. It's beautiful. I to mean, see. that it's fine. And that was funny because Adam Minion, I think, tweeted out. He was like, I guess nobody in the Central Division has gotten a memo. He always shoots from that circle, and he does. Well, let's not. Let's often. not. Hey, let's keep that secret. 
Tars. We don't want anyone to know about it. Watch, watch the film. I mean, hey, you, you just you got to know he's yeah. there. And Central, the thing is, Central Division teams can keep ignoring that. We're fine. Well, the thing with is, it. who wants to get in the way of that thing? I mean, that yeah. thing is just coming out hot. Like yeah. you know, I you're not gonna. Go it's gonna be. Re- you're gonna have to be really smart and kind of be in the right place at the right time to you're stop get, this shot. You're gonna get a hell of a bruise if you do. Yep. And what did Yarncroke said that he thought that Tovin's shot might be a little harder than Philip Forsberg's oh, <laughs> yeah. last game. <laughs> I, uh, the, let me go back to what I was just saying. So uh, I guess we do kind of got to kind of verify this, but it sounds right to me, and I do remember actually seeing this when it happened. Uh, this comes from uh, Gary uh, Milstead, who responded to the Predlines account, um, talking about, okay, he said, another era. So the fastest in the modern era is Braden Point scoring a hat trick in 91 seconds. Wow. Uh, two point seconds left in the first period for the first goal needed 88 seconds into the second period for the next two. I do oh, seem to remember that. And uh, Braden Point's a pretty amazing player. He is, but so, those two different periods. I mean, come on. Yeah, uh, yeah pretty, that's pretty good a good point. Too. And, of course, we're biased and we love Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. You're not going to take our joy away from no, us. I don't care if it's okay. happened so many times. Watching it in real time, I'll – I was like, what am I watching right now? It's amazing. It was amazing. I'm happy for Rocco Grimaldi because he couldn't yeah. happen to a better person. You, you uh, know, the, thought, everything he's been through, not being used here. properly in the lineup, all yep. this stuff. He's a He's battled his way on. Just his journey to the Preds roster, as we all know. So it couldn't happen to a better person. Well, and they kept mentioning he's from Detroit. So it was really cool to see him because he played, he played in the Detroit Pee Wee system. Yeah. Uh, the, the Red Wings sponsored Pee Wee system. So it's kind of cool to see him do that. But also, like, we can't lose sight of the fact that Detroit's our rivals. Like, this was fun just to see, like, us beat up on – even mm-hmm. if they're not good, like, it's still fun to see us beat the Red Wings yeah. Yeah. and beat them handedly. And the, the big thing for me, like, the, the kind of, like, the moment where I had a little bit of a chuckle is I think we were up – I think I want to say we were up 5-1. Uh, we might have been up 6-1. But Carrier drew, uh, Carrier drew a penalty. And they pulled UC Soros for, for the extra attacker. I was like, yeah. y'all, yeah. y'all, y'all, this yeah, is all awesome. gas yeah. We're not giving up on anything. <laughs> Can one of the things I said was in the intermission report, uh, in the first intermission report uh, on Fox Sports Tennessee's broadcast, uh, Rocco Grimaldi did his uh, interview, and he looked pissed off. Like, you would have never, ever guessed that this guy just had a hat trick. Like, no, yeah. nothing but raw emotion on his face. He looked like it was vindication almost. Like, this guy's like, you know what? Hell yeah, damn right I just did this. Yeah, and like, I should we're not be done. Here. And we're yeah. not done. Like yeah. we're not satisfied. I love it, man. I can't get yeah. enough of it. And you're seeing that up and down the roster. You're seeing these guys. Matthew Olivier is a good example. They just look so pissed off for greatness right now. And I can't get enough of it. And I can't help but think that that's a big reason why we're seeing this dramatic shift in how they're playing right now. Would you say you like it and you love it? <laughs> uh, don't make me do some. Uh, some uh, Tim McGraw karaoke right now <laughs> because anyone who might download this podca- podcast will never download it again if they have to hear me sing. That's right. I will say, I mean, it's 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 awesome to see the chemistry of these guys. The mm-hmm. one thing that – another thing that stood out to me was the fact that out of all the lines that they tried to get chippy with, they tried to get chippy with the fourth line, with the, the herd line, with Yakov Trenin, who's a humongous human, Yes, Olivier, who's even bigger, and Colton Sissons, who isn't a big guy, but he's he's pretty scrappy. Colton Sissons will dish out some hits. He's not but also, afraid. But at the same time they were doing that, they were also – the defensive pairing was Benning and it was Harper. Like, outside of Ekholm, yeah. those are the four possible – the four to five possible biggest dudes we can have on the ice. I was like, you're not going to win that battle. It's, it's as gritty as you can hope to be. Yeah. No. The only thing more gritty is gritty himself. 
Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. So it's Definitely. awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, let, let's put it in perspective. I know I'm always the Debbie Downer on the show, but it's against the Red Wings. You're not. This, this team is completely thing. sold off. We, I mean, as much as the Red Wings have beaten some good teams this year, so I'm not going to take anything away from them. The Red Wings, I think, know who they are, whereas the Preds are still trying to fight. Like, they're not mm-hmm. ready to give up on the season. Where I think – I'm not saying the players playing for the Red Wings are quitting. I'm not accusing them of that at all. What I'm saying is I think the Red Wings are in a completely different uh, spot when it comes to what they're looking for. And I know that's going to rub some Preds fans the wrong way because I think there's a lot of Preds fans out there who are – it's bittersweet what's happening right now. It is absolutely They're, they're, they're like, what are we going to do on this trade deadline? Do we? What's, what's David Poyle thinking right now? Is he about to – uh, screw this thing up because he thinks we've got a chance and we just need one more piece. Dare I, mean, I say it, it's it's tough to say because this is our first three game win streak, but at the same time, like we've won five out of six. That's pretty. I mean, it's a double edged sword, man. It, it's it's tough. It is and a double sword to do what we did in the the road trip. I mean, it's it, there's a body of evidence saying like, okay, we're starting to click. I think the really the big the big test is going to be Chicago. We haven't seen them in a while. They're the ones we have to beat to get in that fourth spot. We know what we look like against Columbus. We, we know what we look like against, unfortunately, against some of the other teams, the top two teams. We got to see what we look like against Chicago because if we can't beat them, we're just we're not there. We have to be – if you want to be there, then you got to beat the people that are already there. So that's kind of where we're at is the Chicago doubleheader is going to be something to watch. I mean, it's going to be interesting. There's, a, there's another reason that's less important probably, but there's another reason to watch this Chicago doubleheader. If the Preds win the next two, our beards oh, are gone. No. Yep. Oh yeah. I knew you were going so, with that. Assume, so. Rich, you guys, Rich, you actually got to start growing yours first of all. It's you're so great. I don't you're like it. Cheating down there. Well, but, I still um, have a mustache. All right, well, <laughs> no, that'll work too. But yes, that's a that's that's a big deal too. It, it, but if it the if deal. the Preds somehow sweep a back to back on Saturday and Sunday against the Blackhawks, I I mean I don't know what. I still think they're probably going to split. I'm just not going to get crazy. I think they're going to split these next two. Yeah. Uh, but the way they're playing right now, you sh- you sure as hell can't bet against them. No, I wouldn't. Definitely yeah, I, not. If anything, it's like a toss-up right now against Chicago because Chicago's surprising a lot of people. We can't t- as much as we can't stand the Chicago Blackhawks. We got to take our biases out of this. The Blackhawks are outperforming their expectations. They're certainly outperforming my preseason expectations for them. So uh, if the Preds go out and beat them twice this weekend, it's really going to have me really thinking about what to do and what they might have a chance to do if they do get in these playoffs, I mean, un- it, it, it's, it's crazy how quick hockey can change the narrative. Well, unfortunately, we're not getting any help with any of the teams above us in the standings. Yeah. Because we can't be scoreboard won. watching. I know we well, have to. I do. Kind of, I do every, every no, single it's day. Human I, I do too. We all do it. Yeah. So Columbus, Columbus got a point in uh, overtime and then Chicago beat Florida. So their Preds are still four points out, but they're just inching closer and closer. I mean, that's that four point swing. Because if we if we beat them, yep. you know, if we somehow sweep them, I mean, that's that's a tall task. But if we and, do it, then we kind of like I think I, was, I think the quote was kind of shared uh, before. I think a bunch of people have been saying this actually. The Preds are kind of in the driver's seat to control their own destiny right now mm-hmm. because they have so many games in hand against Chicago. They've only played Chicago twice this season, believe it or not. Yeah, and they still got. I mean, I pull up their schedule right now, but they've got a lot of games coming up against Chicago. We already they've got them twice coming up here, and then they've got them um, uh, three times, 
four times in April. Wow. So they still got him six more times. So, I mean, there you go right there. They still got to play Dallas uh, two more times, it looks like, or three more times. So the teams that they're kind of clustered with right now, they play head-to-head. Yeah. So and they've already dominated Columbus. We're so five of them, Dallas. So that's good. <laughs> so, but what I'm saying is, they're the teams yeah. that they need to beat. Yeah. They still have plenty of games in hand to play against, so they do mm-hmm. kind of control their own destiny if they want to go out and get that fourth spot, regardless of what they do so much against uh, the rest of their schedule when it comes to Carolina, Tampa Bay, and Florida. So, I mean, it's it's it's. I, I'll admit, I wrote them off. I no, thought I there was well. no chance. Absolutely. And a big part of that was going into the road trip. I didn't think they had a chance to get well, through that road trip. So the here we are. The beautiful part of it is, like, you, you Tampa Bay, you only play twice. So that's really nice because, I mean, we've gotten that out of the way. That is what it is. Florida, we only play twice. I kind of wish we could play Florida again some just because I feel like we're, we're closer to Florida than we were when we, when we initially played them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Hurricanes, that's going to be a tough one. I think because we play them four times. That'll be the really one where we might take a few steps forward against, like, a, let's say, your Chicago, hopefully your Dallas, but your Carolinas is where you're going to kind of get humbled a little bit. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, if we if we sweep series, we're already, we already have the games against Columbus. We've already got that. We're locked up against them if, if it comes down to a tiebreaker. Um, if we sweep the series, we move ahead of Chicago. That's four wins right there against them, and you know, we, we, we had the points there. So it, it's going to be – man, who would have thought that we'd be in this spot? I mean, you go back to, uh, you know, four episodes ago – we were ready to like, all right, let's sell it. Let's get be done with it. Now it's like, well, are buyers? Are we are we sitting bat? One of the things I've been beating the drum on on is the Preds. A big reason, big thing that's fueling the Preds right now is they are getting consistent goaltending. Rich just brought up how good UC Soros is looking uh, going into tonight's game. Uh, Soros was averaging less than a goal against per game over his last five games. Let a point yeah. eight zero. Wow. And then he gave up a goal tonight. So, I mean, Soros is on another level. I think the Preds are making the right – even as much as we love Pecorino, I think the Preds are making the right decision by leaning on UC Soros so heavily as the as the primary starter right now. Uh, and then you're, you're going to get Pecorino this weekend for sure since it's a back-to-back. Yeah. And I don't well, he think – He loves Chicago. And I don't, I don't loves Chicago. There you go. And I don't think I don't think anyone's nervous about Pekka going in. I think you can't make the wrong decision on who to start right now. I think they're both have worthy cases to be the starter, which is a great problem to have when you have two goaltenders who are equally locked in. I think that's a big reason why the Preds are are surging right now. I especially love PK if he gets the, the matchup against Malcolm Subban too. I think that he can, you know, but, but yeah, Chad's right. I mean, we have that history of Chicago, especially with, you know, in the past in the playoffs when it mattered the most. And we got that glorious sweep, but, you know, he's got the scouting report on those guys. But no, I think you, you're, you're absolutely right, Chad, with riding the hot hand just because Saros has looked unreal since coming back. I mean, some of the, he didn't really, he wasn't overworked tonight, but mm-hmm. the, the three games before, all. I mean, the three games before getting 118 saves out of 120 shots. Like that's insane, and yep. and the saves that he was making, some of them are just ridiculous. So I think tonight almost feel like a breather for him because it's like, well, they're standing on their end. Like he did, he had a lot more time to kind of just catch his breath, and they they got they got just enough for him to keep you know getting the in rhythm and keep getting that momentum. But he really wasn't overworked tonight, which is nice. That's what you want for your goaltender. Yeah, Detroit only got twenty one shots on goal, so um, it was, and they also Detroit did get four power plays though. Uh, and they did connect on their one on one of those power plays, but um, for the most part, 
It was a it was a game where the Preds kept the Red Wings in check. What were you gonna say, Colin? I was going to say that one power play where they did score, I will say that they actually did deserve that power play, just to clear that up. I know we're going to touch on that in a second. But. Oh, yeah. We're, we're definitely going to touch on that. <laughs> we're going to get into that really deep. We're about to get into that right now. But, right, we do got to finish off. I just want to kind of finish off some of the numbers on this. Uh, Grandling got a goal, got his seventh of the season. Uh, Roman Yossi added another uh, assist to his total on the season. He's up to 17 assists quietly on the season. It's like no one's talking about Roman Yossi, but the guy mm-hmm. just quietly just keeps producing. And since uh, being back from injury, just the two games, I mean, the two like, amazing yeah. games. But we're not focused on that so much right now, but he's quietly sitting back there doing that. And then I want to share this. This is a huge stat. I've been saying this. I'm not saying I'm the only one, but there's so many people out there who have been writing off Dante Fabro. Mm-hmm. And you can tweet the show if you want right now, and we'll have a fun discussion about it if you're one of those people. But they've been writing this guy off. I get it. He's made some really bad giveaways this season. Uh, I get it that he's made some blunders. Can we put in perspective how young this guy is still and what situation he was thrown into as a second-pairing defenseman on the Preds? I mean, this yeah. guy, has, he's only going to get better. I'm a huge believer in Dante Fabro. Mm-hmm. And uh, Preds PR put out this tweet uh, tonight. Points through the first 100 games of their NHL career. This is defenseman for the Preds. Roman Yossi had 34 points. Ryan Ellis had 28. Fabro has 23. And Matias Ekholm had 18. So let's pump the brakes on saying <laughs> Fabro's a bust right now. He's 22. If anything, <laughs> if anything yeah. I think he's going the opposite direction. I think he's trending in – the direction you want to see him trend in. Oh, like yeah. you said, he had big shoes to fill, man. PK Subban leaving, they were like, "You got to step up, young they man." Because they trusted him, yeah. And so, so I'm glad they shared that. I'm glad. Uh, pre- big props to Preds PR. Uh, anything, anytime you want some really good stats out there, Preds PR is going to put out a lot of good ones. So thank you for sharing that. I had to take that stat and run with it when I saw that for sure. Yeah, big I mean, Dante Fabro fan here. Um, anything else you guys want to add about the game that we just saw? That we're missing. Love, love to see it. Let's see more of it on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, definitely. Want to see them destroy Chicago like they did Detroit. I, yeah. I want to destroy Chicago more than Detroit. I don't. I. You mentioned like the rivalry with Detroit, and I I do agree that it is a rivalry, but it's definitely simmered down over oh, the yeah. years yeah. because we they're in the East and we don't play them yeah. as much, and Detroit's not the team they used to be, and all that stuff, but. It feels way nicer, in my opinion, to beat Chicago than oh, yeah. it feels to beat Detroit these days. I almost yeah. felt sorry for Detroit tonight, believe it or not, for what? Because uh, like, they are some die, they are some diehard fans up there. It, they, it's not the same when uh, Babcock's not breaking clipboards. I will right. say that. And yeah. you do kind of feel for those young players on the Red Wings, you know, when they're getting beat that bad. You feel for their goalie that they had to put in for Grice, who is like <laughs> kind of like him a, after ten. He, brought, he was brought up as emergency goalie. Yeah, uh, last week I believe was what I saw. So uh, uh, Picard and Calvin Picard, and so um, it's just one of those things where the Preds feasted, and that's what happened. And so it felt nice, it felt good, but we got bigger prey to go after. Yep, no pun intended. As Predators, we got bigger prey to go after than the Red Wings for sure. If we're really going to stick our chest out and beat our, beat our chest, we got bigger prey to to conquer. And so uh, we beat the Red Wings 7-1. Let's go to a way more hot button topic and one that's going to get deep. It's going to get hot. Mike it's going to 
Yeah, it's going to be – yeah, hot mic topic. Hot mic's been the two words everyone's been associating with the Predators up until Rocco Grimaldi scored four goals tonight. I got to I got to so, tell you tell you a story real quick before you start. I got a uh, a text from my brother. I was telling you about. He doesn't really keep up with sports or anything. He sent me a text, and it had the same brother that went with you to the Vegas game. Went to the Vegas, and yeah. we had the you got to go back and listen to episode twenty nine, everybody. Yeah, that's right. We had the guy. We had the awesome fan who was yelling Yarny. Yeah, the Scottish Yarny. guy. Yeah. That, that yeah. that's a tease right there for yeah, all let's of our go people. Yarny. Go back and listen to episode twenty nine. All right, go ahead. Yeah. So so he tweeted me this morning or texted me and he had the news story of Tim Peel getting fired. He was like, did you guys cover this? And I was like, <laughs> my brother who doesn't watch sports. Like, <laughs> me a, a, so we're behind your, so we are way behind the times on your brother who doesn't even watch sports. Wow. Yeah. He was like, he was like, did you guys cover this? I was like, yeah, we, we're going to talk about it. So. <laughs> so let me lay down the details real quick before we really give all of our opinions on it. And so longtime NHL referee, Tim Peel got caught on a hot, hot mic. Basically saying he wanted to call a penalty on the National Predators sooner. We saw an F-bomb thrown in there. It caught caught on a hot mic. And what's really blowing this story up is everyone knows it happens, but we don't hear it. Like but he also said like that. Yeah, he also admitted that the, the, the penalty he called, he said there wasn't much there. That's yeah, I mean, a big part of it. I'm glad well, you brought that up. That's a huge part of it. He said yeah. there wasn't much there. But I wanted to get a penalty called on the Nashville Predators. And, well, and there was throw that bomb in there. Well, I'm there to tell you guys. There. Well, I called into Dan Patrick this morning, and because he was asking for contact. Oh, nice! And I pulled. I had the clip, and I was like, the the penalty that he called was on Victor Arvinson for tripping. And when you watch the replay, there is no tripping. No, there, no there, yeah, it was horrible. It, it, it was. I mean, when Arby it was, watched it, he was incensed. Chris Mason. It just makes it that much worse. Yeah, yeah. Chris Mason. Chris Mason called it out, so it, it was that much worse. It's one thing if you call a ticky tack penalty. Yeah, mm-hmm. because you wanted to call a penalty. I mean, that's bad on its face right there. But to call something that's not even there, and yep. to get caught on on that hot mic saying that, I mean, it, it was just so egregious. Uh, and I don't think any of us expected the NHL to act as swiftly as they did. No. And I think the NHL is trying to save face here. I think they're trying to squash this and sweep this under the rug as quick as they can. They they had no problem saying, you know what, we're going to get as far away from this as we can. We're going to basically come out and say we have no zero tolerance for this. Um, and well, that's what they did. Tim Peel uh, was a month away from retiring anyway, so it's kind of like, what does it really do? But they did send a message. At least they well, came out and sent a message. They did, and this is very much – I mean, it's a message-setting piece of it that's to the rest of the refs, but it's even bigger than that because of what – really it's what sports gambling has done to the game. That's um, the the big reason that they put uh, NHL the team in Vegas is because they wanted to break into the sports gambling market, especially with NHL. And NHL was already a, a big part of that market, but they got a, a bigger piece of the pie by having a franchise there and really making the NHL all in on things like DraftKings and things of that nature. And so when your odds makers are hearing that someone might not be calling a fair game, I mean that's that takes away the because, integrity of the game. And there's a lot of money to be made in this sports gambling. Yeah. Oh yeah, as well, it's we, legalized. We so. won two zero. If we get if we go if we get tied up one one, who knows how the momentum of that game goes? Who who knows what the outcome of that game is if they manage to score in that power well, play? Mm-hmm. So and it, not it, just that, but, not just that, but people bet on spreads in hockey. A lot of times oh, yeah. you'll see like a goal and a half spread is the common spread you'll see in hockey. I know that betting on spreads in hockey is not as popular as betting on spreads in other sports. You get but, plenty of top bets though. Play prop bets. I mean, it affects more period. than just who wins or who loses. It could be yeah. it could be betting on the over under. Sometimes yeah. you'll see over under totals at like four and a half. You know, for those 
And there's people who make a living on sports gambling. They're that good at it. So if you take away the integrity of the game because you think Mm -hmm. that you've got refs out there doing this, what I heard, quote-unquote, game management, don't give me that nonsense. Don't give me that crap. Yep. I don't want to hear that. If it's a penalty, call it. If if one team is super aggressive and over-aggressive, then it's on the team to make adjustments if they keep, keep getting called for penalties. Absolutely. That's not the ref's job. The ref's job is to call the game the right way by the rule book. Well, there's been a lot of blowback from the NHL for a long time. And we remember the Stanley Cup playoff or the Stanley Cup finals. Like we remember how many bad things happened in that finals. Hashtag PK Subban's head (laughs) smashing the ice. I mean, there there are a lot of things from an officiating standpoint that the NHL has kind of turned a blind eye to in the past that they can no longer do because of sports gambling, but also because of the fact that they've been called out. They've been taken to the woodshed in so many various polls. I was reading in the uh, for the win in USA today about the worst officiating in North American sports. The NHL is ranked worse than the NFL in officiating. And you have to do something really special for that. Cause I mean, ask a Saints well, fan how they feel about that. But the like, NFL, well, the NFL's biggest problem is their phantom holding calls. that They like to call to and balance knows, out things. Nobody knows, nobody knows what he catches and, and all those. So you don't want to get thrown into that category. And also, Sorry to cut you off, Colin, but I want to throw this in there real quick. Uh, another thing for the NHL, you're trying to not be a niche sport anymore. You're trying to appeal to the masses. If you have some of these uh, on-the-fence fans who are maybe starting to get into hockey and they see something like this, that might push them away. They might be like, I don't want to watch this this, this scripted, horrible niche sport where refs are out here controlling uh, certain calls and fabricating certain calls. Like uh, you might have a on the fence fan that says, no, thank you. I'm not going to even get into that. You're, you're dead on. I mean, you can't explain a makeup call to a new and even a new fan because it's like, okay, so that's not a penalty, but it is like, <laughs> there, there's just no way of explaining like, okay, so he didn't commit a penalty, but the rest screwed up before. So he's trying to make it up now by calling a penalty, even though it's not a penalty. Like it's way too confusing. It takes away from just the integrity of the game. It takes away from the pace of the game. Um, I mean, it's just, it's just not necessary, but uh, you know, you kind of feel bad for me for being caught on a hot mic, but at the same time, because he's not the only one that does this. We know no, that for a fact. No, of course not. Yeah, he's but at the same not. time, you know, he, he these these guys got to know, like, there are mics, there are boom mics all throughout that arena. Like, they're they're all around. You never know what's going to be said. I mean, that's just how some of the old school refs talk, and I get that. That's They are kind of some swirly dudes sometimes, especially some of these older guys like him and the, uh, Kelly Sutherland, who he's uh, I'm refereeing, refereeing with. But you have, to, you have to know better than that. I mean, it's just – it's a bad look, and, and – I'm hoping that this example sets the tone for the rest of the officiating because it's just it needs to be cleaned up across the board. There's some bad refs, not just him, but some bad refs across the game that I mean need yeah. to figure it out. And you're seeing you're like seeing some people come out here and say, "Oh, well, Tim Peel was just the scapegoat, and it happened." And maybe he was, but you're still right. the one that got caught. And yeah. you got to know that that mic's always on, especially in today's day and age. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, he's not the only one doing it. And I'm not, and the NHL is not the only sport either. No, I mean, there's, you see it in other sports too. And it, it's, it's with this sports gambling, that's a big part of it. There's a lot of money involved. And these, these, these sports know that. And you've got, if, if anything else out of this sports gambling, even if you're not a sports gambler, if that, if sports gambling can make officiating more consistent and more trustworthy, that'll be a huge win out of sports gambling right there alone because. You know, we want to see consistency. We're, I think we're all unbiased and objective uh, fans because we have to be because we cover the team both in writing for Pradlines.com 
and doing this podcast. And we, I know for me personally, I, I have a lot of um, integrity when it comes to, I want to cover the team in it from an unbiased lens. And right. so if I watch a Preds game and the Preds are out there playing undisciplined and they're slapping their stick everywhere and they're tripping guys left and right and they're acting crazy and they're not adjusting and they get eight penalties called on them and the other team's playing a smart game and dominating and they only get one penalty, I- I'm going to say, you know what, shame on the Preds for not yep. making in-game adjustments. Yeah. I-, I-, I don't like these makeup calls. I don't like it at all. I've never liked it in well, any po- sport. Even the pre- the players agree with that. I mean, even Duchesne is like, how do you really know what a makeup call is versus what an actual call is? Like, how do you how do you adjust your style of play? If you if you're calling penalties by the book, you can assess, adjust your style of play. If they're not by the book, then who knows what you're going to be called for? And how do you really play, you know, free when you can when that could happen? So, I mean, the the players made the sure that they were you know sounding off on that. And I appreciate Duchesne for saying that, but I'm just hoping I'm hoping it's better you know cleaner games. There are so many times. Even even during you know the 2018 season, I think it was like the time I probably tweeted NHL the most. Um, I think yeah. I actually had an NHL refs account back then. Probably wisely deleted it, but I'm pretty sure <laughs> I bomb, I'm pretty sure I bombarded that account of like what the hell is. They going were like, on? we got to get away from this calling guy. We're just going to delete <laughs> our account. <laughs> so many gifts, <laughs> but no. But it's just it's. I mean, they have to do something, and the game is growing. It's the fastest growing sport from you know 18 to 29. Like. You have to you have to clean it up, especially with this gen Gen Z. Like they're not going to deal with makeup calls. That's that's no. it's just crap. So yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. call it call it you know call it by the rule book, like you said earlier. I mean, it's not hard. Yeah. With with ESPN, they got this ESPN deal. All eyes are going to be on the NHL, and they can't afford to have good point. Yeah, stuff like this. That's another part. I mean, that's just, another factor into it. You're finally getting back onto this yeah. mainstream network on ESPN. Yeah. So all eyes are really going to start being on you. So yeah, yeah. you can't have this uh, this dark cloud of of yeah. shady yeah. officiating going on. And, and I guarantee every referee got a memo or talked to oh, today. For sure. Oh yeah. Saying, and, <laughs> and, you know they got a dirty letter saying, "Can don't ever do this." And, it, <laughs> and another. Well, go, go ahead, Colin. Go ahead, Colin. Can, can, can you imagine being on the not top ten because you called such a bad call? Because I mean, like that tripping call, there was oh, no yeah. con. There's, I don't even think there was contact, which is ridiculous. But, and another well, thing I to mean, say is this: I'll, I'll say I'll even go this far as saying this. Let's say the a bad call go goes against the Predators, and I'm watching the game. I'll still, you know, the refs, they're humans. They're going to make mistakes. No one's mm-hmm. trying to say the refs have to be perfect out there. No. Hockey is a very – I can't imagine how hard hockey is to officiate. There needs it's to hard be enough like, to tweet. It's hard enough to tweet about it watching it. Yeah. So I can only really imagine like, how hard it is. <laughs> so we're not trying to sit here, you know, on our perches and say that these refs have to be perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I, we're not saying that at all. But what we're trying to say is, okay, let's say you do – we're going to humanize it here. Let's say you make a bad call. Don't turn around and then make an equally bad call, intentional bad call against the other team because you want to make a makeup call. Just let it go. You made a bad call. It's okay. We'll live with it. It's part of the game. But And you'll live with it. You'll live with it. You'll say, okay, that bad call affected us, but it's a bad call. You move on. You be a little upset about it. But don't, don't penalize the other team for your, for you making a bad call. That's, that makes it even worse. Well, I think one of our Predlines writers, Max Greenberg, he even mentioned like they need something like the two-minute report, like what the NBA has in terms of officiating breakdowns and why certain things happen, and even saying when we got things wrong. I mean, that's some transparency and accountability like that, that the leagues lack. I but like I mean, 
I think fans are less angry if you are more transparent instead of just saying, well, we're going to keep on moving along and see if they, can, they see if there's a makeup call opportunity or not saying anything at all. I think that they need that. But I, I got to ask, what'd you guys, uh, what'd you guys think of that gif I made? Oh, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, I, I was proud of that one. I'm, Your I'm, gift I'm hoping, game's always strong though. I mean, yeah, it's it always good. like, yeah. I'm, ho- I'm hoping Nash saw that one. Cause I put some effort into that. that one. Was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> I was just I sitting do- there thinking, I bet the referees are probably like, can you cut us some slack? Like no other referees. We're trying to. That's what we just did, Rich. <laughs> but, they're, but they're like, no other referees in sports have to break up fights. <laughs> we we might start getting thing. some uh, referee followers tonight just from yeah. giving them the credit, some of the credit here. Yeah. I will yeah. say this. Uh, I want to share. I saw this from uh, Pete Blackburn's uh, piece that he wrote for MSN. Uh, Pete Blackburn's a really funny, hilarious follow if you're a hockey mm-hmm. fan. Oh, yeah. uh, but he shared this. I pulled this quote from his piece, so I wanted to give him credit for it. But uh, NHL senior VP of hockey operations came out and said, "Quote: No justification for his comments regarding Tim Peel. No justification for his comments, no matter the context or his intention. And the NHL will take any and all steps necessary to protect the integrity of our game." End quote. That sounds great. That sounds uh, promising. But you, actions speak louder than words. We all know that. So I know a microscope was all over the officiating tonight into oh, yeah. going into the game. And I thought – I mean, obviously, I think the officiating was good. <laughs> Preds 171. <laughs> but, yeah. but in all seriousness, yeah. I, the, you know, the officiating was fine. I mean, well, but – and think about it from like a player's perspective, how hard it is to make midseason adjustments to the style of play. Like we're still going to see some things happen this season, but I think the off season for refs is going to be huge because be they're, they're on notice. Changes could be in place. Yeah, yeah. I did appreciate what John Hines said too uh, going into tonight's game. He basically said like, "Yeah, we didn't like it, but we're moving on." Like I know that's coach speak, but well, you do get you. And I know John Hines isn't the most outlandish personable, crazy, uh, gives you the crazy quotes type of coach. He's more reserved. But I I did appreciate that he didn't dwell on it. You do get some of those coaches that that just go crazy in their press conferences. And I'm glad. I think it sent a very positive message to his team. Yeah. Like, hey, we got bigger fish to fry. Yeah, that call, that's horrible, blah, blah. But he said, "We're, we're moving on from this. And, and I, so I do want to give him a golf clap because I know that he's not um, on the top part of our list right now. But we'll give credit where credit do, credits due because we are fair on the Catfish and Ice podcast. We're all about fairness. And I'm going to give John Hines some points for that. I did like what he said about that. So we're moving on. If, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, we'll, we'll keep the the, the Hines comment or the compliment train rolling here. Sorry. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, because I think part of our success has been due to consistency. Who would have thought? He's figured it out. Lines. Maybe anybody that ever those watched, lines. yeah, anyone, anybody that ever watched any other. One thing that the only change he made really was the Rocco line, and I'll give him props for that. <laughs> Rocco but, had a pretty good game, but it was a lot of consistency. He also time. doesn't have to make a lot of changes right now because yeah, there's not a lot of shifting going on. But I when think, Matt Duchesne I, gets back, I think Matt Duchesne is going to shake some stuff up. I think I don't know because I think you know Sabisa. I think is healthy. I think he's just been scratched lately. We've been we've been sleeping on Lucas Sabisa. Uh, so we didn't bring up Lucas Sabisa at all in episode twenty nine, but he's made his triumphant did. return. He's made his triumphant return to episode thirty. Lucas Sabisa, we hope you're doing good out there. If you're a fan of the show, please tweet us. We love it. 
if you have a Twitter account. We don't know if you do or not. So when all these injured guys get back, like, I would just not do anything. I would just ride this, man. I don't know. How do you – How do you – You got to put Matt, Matt and Shane in there. I'm sorry, Rich. Do you? Yeah. Do you? I do think you, you do. Oh, yeah, I think you it's do. It's tough. Gosh, do. man. And then who do you, who do you scratch? Because it's like Sissons has been oh, playing gosh. really well so far. Holla, I mean, yeah. Holla, We're going to make I a whole new segment out of this. I know, yeah, right? But it yeah, is we, a good question. I mean, that, it's one that everyone's thinking about. We might need to say that for uh, for next episode. If he doesn't – hopefully he doesn't come back. Well, actually, hopefully he does I th- come back I mean, sooner. But, I think yeah. they're really close. I know they've been skate doing light skating. I know they're really close. Yeah. He, he is. So we'll, we'll see. And we still don't know what's going to happen with the trade deadline. We keep saying that's about to really happen. And it is, but nothing new has happened. As of tonight, nothing's happened. We said the twenty eighth, right? The twenty eighth is two weeks before yep. April twelfth. So, so speaking of that, that's well, the magic number. Before we get off Luke's abuse, I want to ask you guys real quick. Did you guys? Uh, I actually mentioned tonight in Twitter because with Granny or I think it was Granny's goal, um, they got a tip in from number seventy from Detroit, and so Nashville Predators tweeted out thanks seventy because you know the guy basically gave us the goal. <laughs> I tweeted at him. I said we'll give Luke's abuse for him for straight up. You gonna take it? <laughs> so, yeah. No reply there from the Red go. Wings, but you know we put it out oh, there. Man. Oh, that's funny. But it's—I mean, on a night like tonight, I mean, could, it's easy yeah, to just really have the jokes flying, and it was yeah. a lot of fun. And now we just got to see if it continues. I don't know. We got Chicago coming up, so we'll see. Again, this is episode thirty of the Catfish and Ice podcast. This is Chad Mitten with Colin Blue and Rich Howe, your host. And uh, we're about to go to our next segment, which is the best and worst traits in press history. But before we get to that, well, I know we have a ton of listeners and followers who live in the Nashville area and all over the Southeast. So we hope everyone's safe tonight. I can tell you right before I went on air, I had uh, I live uh, south of Nashville. We definitely had some type of a tornado come through. So we hope everyone's staying safe tonight. And if you're watching, we hope uh, we hope you're safe mm-hmm. and and that uh, you've got all your belongings safe and stuff. Uh, definitely scary. It's definitely storm season in the south. Everyone from the south knows that. And so we just wanted to give a shout-out to all of our listeners and followers and saying that uh, we hope everyone's safe tonight. Uh, and so moving on from that, we're going to go to the best and worst trades in press, Preds history. But we're going to kind of cut it off at the decade mark. We're not going to go all the way back to the because I can tell you, I, so I use Cat Friendly for all my information. Because Cat Friendly is like the best, one of the best websites ever. You can spend so much time oh, yeah. if you're in salaries, salary caps, and like contracts, and oh my gosh, you can nerd out on that website. <laughs> and I did that today, full disclosure. And so I went back, like I went back pretty far into Preds history and looked at every trade they've made, even draft day trades where they traded draft picks and stuff. And so I know we all got some good ones and some bad ones. We ready for this? We ready to dive into this? Because there's going to be some bad ones in here. I, so I, I am, yeah. For it. Well, let's go to do it. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off then, and I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna build up to some of the really bad ones because I don't want to just throw you right in right away. <laughs> I think that'd be unfair of me. But I'm gonna start with a pretty bad one. Uh, going back to 2007, 2008, going back to the 2008 draft. Does anyone know who Eric Eric Carlson is? He's a pretty good player. Pretty decent player. Pretty decent player from what I understand. The Preds traded their draft pick, first-round draft pick, in that draft to get two draft picks 
in that draft. And guess who they picked instead of being available for Eric Carlson? They picked Chet Picard, who was a goaltender who never played for the Preds, never made an impact. And they picked in the third round in 2009, Taylor Beck, who never did anything. So I'm starting off soft here. I'm starting off soft on these. That's That's pretty big one. That's about as soft as you're going to get as far as the bad ones. And you, I thought, I thought here we are. Like I was like, this isn't gonna be too bad. Yeah, like, good vibes going. I know. Well, I, know. I, thought, I was like, I mean, we made some bad moves, but then I, I realized I forgot how bad some of these things were. And you're yeah. just you're pulling up a lot of things. I'm I know it's hindsight 2020. I'm not trying to pile on David Poyle here. <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not a perfect science. He's been around for he's Long been around time. since the franchise was found. He's bound to have some bad moves. That's that that's a bad one. I saw. Do you yeah. guys have one? Let's start with the bad, and then we'll end with the good. How about that? I, I mean, I, for me, it's more like it's not. It is sort of a bad trade, but for me, it's just my least liked trade. And okay, it's that's fair because enough. Of what followed it, you guys can probably guess it. It's the Kyle Turris move. Oh, um, okay, you I, just went right to the worst one, in my opinion. <laughs> really? I mean, well, that's the thing. well. The thing is, the trade itself. I mean, it wasn't uh, terrible. It was the contract that we signed him to afterwards that we're still that's paying a good point. for to this day, we, and. and yeah, I mean, we're we're deep in. The, don't get me wrong. Don't get to don't get twist. We're, we're deep in the defensive core as far as like the prospects are showing up. We've got Davies now. We've got Carrier playing fantastic. But I like I like Gerard. I really did. I thought he was a good defensive prospect. And That's why the trade hurts so bad. And then he's on he's on a team he could very well win a cup by the end of the year with. And so, it, and and to think how much money we paid to us, how long we stuck with him, we could have gotten other players or signed other players. It's just that, that one trade was favorite. so massive that it was a three team trade with Ottawa and Colorado. Uh, the Preds got Kyle Turris out of it. Uh, Matt Duchesne went to Ottawa Senators, yep. and then from uh, Colorado took in a haul. They yeah. took yeah. in Samuel Gerard from us, they took in a second round pick. They took a guy named Vladislav Kamenev. Can't really remember how he turned out. And then the, uh, the Avalanche also got a couple draft picks from the senators as well so that was, just, really that, that was with the avalanche rebuild too kind of like the, yeah man the, the that was, a, that was a, of it. you can de- it's definitely fair to say the the avalanche won that trade yeah uh but yeah that that one hurts me almost the most but you are right though it's more or less the contract that came after it and not yeah. so much the trade because kyle turris actually played very well when he first yeah, got yeah. here the first year yeah and then yeah. that second year i don't know what happened if i don't know if he Looked at you know Laviolette the wrong way, or if he said that was an early season wife, trade. Or, that trade came in November of that season, yeah, in 2017. And, so and he started on almost a point per game pace, I mean, and that was, was fresh. Fire. That was fresh off us going to the Stanley Cup. Those those Stanley Cup expectations were still hot. Yep. And so I remember at the time I was yeah. one of them. I'm like, I like this pickup. Like this is good, Kyle Turris. Yeah. Uh, there were to to credit, there were plenty of people who were high on Samuel Gerrard. They didn't like losing him. Yeah, because he was a good young player. So looking back on it now, the trade maybe isn't as bad as the six million dollar long term contract that came after it. Yeah, gosh, he's still cashing checks. Why he's don't even understand game. that one. I will never understand to, that one. He doesn't even have to play. Rich, no, do you, Rich, Rich, do you have a bad trade that sticks out to you, or one that you looked up? Yeah, I'm gonna. <clears throat> I thought about it a little bit. I didn't dig into it too deep, but the the Shea Weber for PK Subban. That's the one that I don't like the most because they paid, they paid Shea Weber all this money and then they trade him off. And then they've still got this massive amount of money hanging over their heads. If he retires, I know they changed it with the collect the new collective bargaining agreement. But yeah. it, at one point it was like, if he, like he got hurt like last year and they were like, 
if he retires, the Predators are going to have to pay him like $24 million or something insane. It's 37.2. It's just, yeah. What was it? 37.2. 37, okay. So see, if he, if he retired last season, yeah. Last season. So, that's right. Yeah. So just that. And, you know, they got Subban, they kept him for a few years, and then they traded him off, and that got Matt Deshane. And it was just like a snowball of. So I kind of I kind of go things. back and forth on that trade. And the reason why is it was a one for one swap. Uh, swap. And it was blocked, but I mean, it was crazy. I mean, that that transcended hockey. That was a, yeah. a that was leading Sports Center that night. I remember it was because yeah. PK yeah. Subban is such a transcendent mm-hmm. figure outside of hockey. He is such a big deal. He he's yeah. such a great person. He does so much for his local community. Such a great guy, funny guy, yeah. charismatic, all that stuff. So. He came here to Nashville, and I, it was bittersweet for me at the time because, oh, yeah. um, of course, you did, it would hurt to see Shea Weber go. At that yeah. time, he was probably the top player in franchise history. I don't even think – I think he was ahead of Pe- even Pecorino at the, at the time. I mean, he, yeah. he yeah. was the GOAT of Nashville Predators history. And so right. to see him get traded like that, but then you get P.K. Subban, such a larger-than-life figure, and he's, he's – Bar hopping on Broadway as soon as he gets here, and he's take, he's wearing the Preds jersey on the pedestrian bridge, embraces oh, yeah. the city right away, and then the Preds go to the Stanley Cup, and he's a big part of that team. It's like so yeah. at first you're like, wow, this is good, this is good, but now when you look back on it now, mm-hmm. all these years after, Shea Weber is still a very still vital violent. piece of the of the Montreal Canadiens. We talked to the All Habs. Uh, podcast mm-hmm. and talk to Rick Stevens uh, a couple episodes ago. Go back and listen to that uh, interview uh, on episode 28, I believe it was. And listen to that interview. It was a great interview with him. Shea Weber is still a vital piece yeah. of the Canadians, whereas P.K. Subban, like you just said, Rich, unceremoniously got traded away, or got sent away. Uh, wasn't he, Didn't even get a lot of news at the time. Went to the New mm-hmm. Jersey Devils. And so, yeah, the Canadians definitely. It, it took a it took a while to figure this out, but the Canadians definitely won that trade. Yeah, well, we all still we all still love Shea Weber too. Like Nashville fans still keep up with him, so it's oh, like sure. it's yeah. tough. And, re- and really, I think the PK Subban trade is almost like for a uh, for Matt Duchesne, you know, because really PK Subban, I don't think is a bad player. I think he's on a bad team, and I think that oh, yeah. if he was still with us, you know, he I think he'd be doing very well because I think there's just more skill around him to complement what he has, whereas. Yeah. New Jersey, like that well is pretty dry. Subban, and they, they, yeah. They, Subban they, was Subban was unloaded to make room for Matt Duchesne. Yep. He was. And really Subban for a lot of teams, I mean, even look at what he did to the Predators, like he's kind of a clout booster in terms of he will up your team's profile. New Jersey Devils were not relevant until they made that shit that, that move. And even then, mm-hmm. they're barely scratching the surface of relevancy because that's how bad they were before yeah. they got him. And granted, they had John Hines when that happened. But um, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I I'm almost more frustrated by the return we got for Duchesne because or not for Duchesne for uh, PK Subban because I like Davies but I don't think he's the same level or same you know you're not going to get like, what about one well, talent well, like well, what about Steven Santini come on now man <laughs> he, he he's he's my he's the one B to be one you're gonna a. over you're gonna overlook my boy Santini here <laughs> man Colin uh, let me uh, down over here uh, I, I'm gonna you, go wrap. We're going to do two uh, bad ones, and then we're going to go to the positive. We're going to go to the good ones because there are a lot of good ones too. But I'm going to go rapid fire on these two trades, and I'm going to ask you guys if you agree with me. 
okay. that I consider them bad trades because this is going to ruffle some feathers that I'm calling these bad trades. All right. And you guys are more than welcome to disagree with me, and you might. Uh, so let me start with this one. I'm going to ask them both really quick, and then you can kind of give me your thoughts. First one happened in January 2016. Seth Jones for Ryan Johansson. Oh, yeah. It's hard for me to say this. But looking back on it, I would have rather kept uh, Seth Jones. I don't know if I would. Uh, I, I don't know if I would. I throw it in, the back, in my personal category, I throw it in the bad category. Uh, not a, I, It's not egregious. It's not like, oh, my God, how could you pull your hair out? No, but it's not it's it, egregious. I still it's, throw it in the bad category for me. I'm sorry. I think Johansson can still turn things around. I mean, he's played pretty he well could. as of late. And yeah. honestly, like Seth Jones has not had a very good season this year. So mm. they're kind of in that same boat of like, they're both struggling I to kind you. of find a footing. But I think, I, I mean, realistically, like we needed a center that was going to be uh, one of those. I would rather imagine the team without, you know, Mike Fisher, you know, being retired, no Johansson. And all we have is maybe like a Duchesne, Halla, Grandland occasionally at center. Like we do need Johansson to a degree. Mm-hmm. And, and realistically, like, I mean, we, we needed well, – there was nobody else that Seth Jones was going to play above in terms of Ryan Ellis, Mateus Ekholm, uh, P.K. Subban. And you could have built Wilson. a really – you could have built like a – like a, a just an endless yeah. depth of really good defensemen. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm really kind of nitpicking here, but I still kind of throw it in the bad, court, bad category so for me. But it's close. Mike yeah. – Mike Twitter is in the comment section. He says no cup run without that trade. I agree with him. I agree with you, Mike. I'm with you on that. I don't think there is because he, Johansson until the, the the blood clots. I mean, like he played on. Five he had an outstanding games. season. He did that year. And and I'm not. Say, really I'm not trying time. to completely throw away Ryan Johansson right now. Thanks, Mike Twitter, for yep. the comment there. I I I'm saying it's close. All right. I'm not yeah. saying I'm not going to bash anyone who disagrees with me here. But I still kind of throw it in the bad category for me, and I think a big reason why is I've always leaned more towards defensive hockey, yeah. and I know, and I just think the Preds over time have gotten weak in that area, and so that's just kind of why I say that. But it's it's uh, close. My other uh, one I got really well, quick. I, I want to say to you just to, to salt the wound a little bit. Imagine Seth Jones and Dante Faber together for seven mm. years. Then, then it is, yeah, it is kind of a bad trade. But. It, it's a close <laughs> one, though. It's fair. I think you can make an argument on either side. It really depends yeah, on yeah. how you view it. Yeah. Uh, my other one I've got, and this one's going to be close too, but I think it's a little more. I think more people are going to agree with me on this one. And it's the Grandland Fiala trade, way more recent. Yeah. Uh, Kevin yeah. Fiala, that hurt a lot of people. I know that Kevin Fiala wasn't performing up to expectations at the time, but he was so young and he, yeah. he still had a lot. To grow into, and he still had all that raw talent offensively. And the Preds were trying to say, Oh, this was when the Preds were really starting to go downhill, in my opinion. Yeah. Was they were coming out of that postseason where they lost in game seven to the Winnipeg Jets in the second round. And this is what everyone's fearful of right now is that David Poyle's thinking, We're just one piece away. We all we have to do yeah, is yeah. just make one more move, and we're right there. I feel like that's what this Granland Fiala trade was at the time. And I know that Granland shows flashes. He scored a goal tonight. I know he's a very gifted offensive player, but I'm sorry. Again, I'm looking back on it. I would much rather still have Kevin Fiala on the team right now. It doesn't help that he's turning it up for Minnesota either. I mean, he's been yeah. he's been doing very well uh, for them. And so 
14 points in 28 games. Com- compared, com- well, really what sticks out to me, compare compare the two to their first full seasons on their respective clubs. Uh, Fiala put up 54 points in 64 games. Near, He came really close to a point-per-game pace in 2019-20 for the Minnesota Wild, while Michael Granlin put up 30 points in 63 games. I'm not saying it's all Granlin's fault. I think he was misused. I think that the coaching was a mess last season. Both yep. Laviolette and Hines didn't know what the hell they were doing with their players last year, so it's not all Granlin's fault. But you put those two two together, and I think Fiala has way more time left to hit his peak in his career than Granlin does. I would much rather have Fiala looking back on that trade. And he's still only 24. Oh, that's God. what I'm saying. All right. Can we get uh, – do you got anything great. else to say, Rich, before we move on? Well, I was just going to say that when, when they got when they got Granlin, they were you know thinking he was going to have a big, huge year like he had in – Minnesota. Well, I, I kind of remember all the talking heads at the time when we got Gramlin. I was one of them. I was saying, yeah, this is a good move. Like, but I was mm-hmm. still like, I was not sure about it because I'm like, Kevin Fiala wasn't really producing when the trade was right. made. He was kind of yeah. going through his own drought. But why would you trade away a player that's so young and has so mm-hmm. much promise and has those flashes of offensive brilliance to take on? I get it. At the time, Gramlin almost had two seasons where he hit 70 points. Yep. So I yeah. get it. That was but it. <laughs> well, it was a swing and a miss. Swing yeah. and a miss. And I will say, like they were, they were kind of coming close to the contract. They were going to have to give him a new contract. But I mean, Kevin Fiala is not playing for much right now. We could still probably get him for a reasonable rate. It doesn't help that Grandland. Well, he's being tied this, to Toronto Maple Leafs right now. That's the big trade rumor. So that would be that'd be good for him. I mean, honestly, I want to see Kevin Fiala succeed. But oh Grandland, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was talking about Grandland. My bad. Oh, oh, okay. Well, Grandland. I mean, man, if he did that, that, that I'm still happy for him. But realistically, like. Fiala was a younger player. He, I mean, he has a promise. His contract was friendlier. Granlin, even if he doesn't go to the, to the Maple Leafs this year, I mean, we kind of need to do that because we're not going to get any value come off season when he signs somewhere else because someone's going to pay him more than we're willing to. Uh, just that's the, the role of it. But I, I kind of, and this kind of can segue us to our good trades. I kind of liken the, the Kevin Fiala trade for Granlin is kind of like what Washington did with us for, uh, for Erat. When we got, when oh, yeah. we got Forsberg, I think I think I'm sure capital. That's probably like, that's even worse. Washington really got. Yeah, I mean, wow. and so that that's my favorite trade. It's gonna be haunting got, them forever. We got Philip Forsberg and and they got Martin Erat and Michael Lada, but I I think that that's very very similar because I mean realistically, Kevin Fiala. I mean, Michael or Philip Forsberg is 29 years old now. Kevin Fiala saw us five years to get to that point. He could become our Philip Forsberg, you know, down the road. That's unfortunately. true. Very good point. But, Scary but, stuff. That's my favorite trade is getting Philip Forsberg for. It's for the goat two. of all press trades for sure. Um, yeah, Erat that following he only went on to score two goals for the Washington Capitals after that trade. <laughs> <laughs> he did put up he did put up like twenty three assists, but you make a good point because the first full season before that, Erat put up fifty plus points for the Preds. So the Capitals were thinking they were getting this uh, smart veteran player. They didn't know what they had in Philip Forsberg, and bam, the rest is history. So definitely the goat of trades is getting Philip Forsberg for Martin for Martin Erat. Uh, Rich, do you have one? Another one? A negative. good one. We're getting away from the negative. Negative negativity's gone from the rest of this episode. It was the it was the Philip Forsberg. All right. Definitely. Yeah, uh, that I mean, it's hard good. to look over that one. And I this one, one. Well, I do have one more real quick. It's not really a trade so much, but it was when they they signed. Lucas Pisa. <laughs> oh my gosh, Rich, you got to let this one go. That's I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a custom made shirt that has Lucas Pisa on it, and I'm gonna buy it for you, Rich. I'm gonna Dang. get a jersey. When's your I'm birthday? 
Do they even have Spisa jerseys in the we'll get customized? We'll talk to Nashville locker room about that. We'll get a uh, we'll Dude, get Rich like, a uh, we'll get Rich a Lucas Spisa jersey. I'll make like, one for you. Is yeah. it like fifty percent off? I feel like they, uh, yeah, I feel like if you get one from that. Oh, it's definitely room. in the no. It's in one of those Walmart bins where they throw all the DVDs in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's think, where the Lucas Pisa jerseys. I at. think they Poor write the name, they write the name in with, with crayon. Poor guy. Yeah, <laughs> that dude's that's like, the jersey. Like, that's the jersey that Rich is getting. He's like, guys, cut me some slack, man. I'm just trying to make a living. All right. He, he's uh, the one where you can't if you go on to uh, if you go on to what's the what's the website? I think it's like the um, the the fan gear or whatever it is. They've got the jersey, the jersey assurance. Oh. He's a jersey that if you buy it, you cannot check out unless you get jersey assurance. Exactly, because you're, yeah, definitely. All right, That's I'm going to go back to 2010-11. I'm going back to like as far as you can go back, as far as our decade time frame. Anyone remember February 2011 uh, when the Preds got Mike Fisher, Ooh. and all that Ottawa got was. A 2012 third round pick and a 2011 first round pick. That is a good and one. I looked up both of those draft picks they made in that, and they weren't even important enough draft picks to where I wrote their names down. <laughs> enough said. So I'm pretty sure the Preds won that trade. That's a good one. That's K- a good K- one. K- Fisher Mike Fisher trade. turned into the leader of the locker room. And I think a lot of people forget how long Fisher was a part of this team before they made that Stanley Cup run because he was such a big piece of that Preds team. But I got to say this. Fisher was such a vital part of getting the Preds above the hump of not just being a playoff team, not just being a first-round exit casualty, but they actually made their run. Shortly after Fisher joined the team was when the Preds got their first playoff uh, win, exit, playoff round, where they advanced into the playoffs. Uh, uh, So Fisher was such an important piece of that locker room, so I consider that a very good trade in Preds history. And one that I kind of forgot about, I, I couldn't remember the terms of the trade until I went back and looked at, looked at it today. And the fact that Ottawa only got two draft picks yeah. out of it. Suck pretty, it, Ottawa. Pretty amazing. <laughs> suck, suck it. Hey, I, hey, okay, we, we, we have no beef with Ottawa. We got Ray Perry. No, we side. have no, pro, we have no beef. Probably with joking. Ottawa, so <laughs> Probably joking. Well, well if we, really the pesky sins, we could always called. be the Buffalo Sabres. Who's oh, lost yeah. who 15 in a row now. Oh, 16. I think they Not lost tonight too. Knock on wood for that one. Franchise on record or an NHL record sixteen games in a row. The Buffalo Sabers have lost. They only so have that, they only have sixteen points. So Preds fans, it could always be worse. Just remember that. That's I got one that's really under the radar. This one goes deep here. Does anyone remember exactly the terms of how we got to pick UC Soros in two thousand twelve? I did not until I read someone's article today. Yeah. So the Preds made a trade with Buffalo, a draft day trade, where the Preds took – really the big piece of the trade was they got Paul Gostad, who ended up being a very good depth player. One of those gritty face-off guys, leaders, had been in the league for, for around 10 years at the time. I was a big fan of Gostad at the time. He wasn't a big electric goal scorer or anything like that. But diehard Preds fans back in the day, they know who Paul Gostad was. But who would have thought that the Preds draft pick they acquired through that trade with Buffalo would be a seventh-round pick for none other than UC Soros? Gotta love it. Yeah. And that came in the that came in the following draft, seventh well, round. That, Buffalo got Buffalo got a 2012 first-round pick out of that trade from Nashville. So the the Preds gave up a pretty big deal there to give up a first-round pick. 
and Buffalo took Mark Jankowski, who is actually still in the league and plays for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. Uh, but either way, I would call that a very under-the-radar awesome trade for the Preds. It is I, a good one. That, that's the thing, and that's why it's such a reminder for us, especially like the fans that are like, well, we need to be thinking about draft position. I'm like, we really don't need to be thinking about draft position. UC There's Soros, gems all throughout the draft. UC Soros we got with the seventh-round pick. What, what round was uh, Pekka taken in? He was uh, eighth round. Eighth round right, pick. Yeah. Like, draft position does not matter in terms of you need a good scouting department. And that's what we were lucky, especially at that time. Very good point. We were very lucky to have that. But, yeah, that's, that's where it's at. So, got to love it. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Buffalo, for that. Sorry for your uh, loss. <laughs> and who knows who – who knows, you know, like, of course, when the Preds made that trade, they had no idea that UC Soros would be available. I'm not saying they made this trade for UC Soros. No. But it, it's still the way the fortunes happened. We'll take that's, it. That's the way it shook out. So yep. it still ended up being a great trade. And Paul Gostad was actually a really important part of that team as well. So great trade there. I got another one that's good. Uh, when the Preds, of course, this one's very – a lot of people have been talking about this currently, and that's when the Preds got old iron hook by trading <laughs> away David Leguan. Hey, that I trade sure worked that out one. really well. Yep. Definitely. That trade at the time, I remember at the time, a lot of people were upset to lose Leguan because he's the original Preds draft pick. But at the time, Preds fans were like, we'll take this. Because not only did we get Cal Yarncroke, but we got Patrick Ease and we got a 2014 second round pick out of that. So the Preds got a decent haul to give away David Leguan, who was at the back end of his career. Uh, It was, it kind of sucked that they traded him to the Red Wings of all teams. And that, that drove a stake in my heart. But, um, (laughs) That's a great trade. I mean, you think about it, Yarncourt would be leading their rebuild right now if he was if that yeah. didn't happen. So, I mean, Different. I'm big for it. I'm actually kind of surprised that of all the players that didn't get the first hat trick of the season, it was Yarncourt. I thought he was going to have a game where he just ripped off three, but yeah. hey, I'm glad he's with us. That's the all. Most, I say the about most, one. Right. one more real quick. The most recent trade, and it's to be determined. I'm not okay. going to say this is bad or good, but it's the most recent one. Luke Spies says that was a trade. That's the way the Preds acquired Ben Harper. From Toronto Ooh. and oh, gave yeah. Mika Salamaki to the Maple Leafs. I'll take it. Yeah. So Ben Harper is now playing valuable NHL minutes for the Preds, while Mika Salamaki has not even played on the NHL level this season yet. That's a so cool name. There so there you go. Oh, I like Mika Salamaki. I'm not. I'm not throwing shade to him. He did a lot of good things. But that ben trade on its surface though. right now looks pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Ben Harper. We we have. Uh, this is the first time I feel really pretty confident, and we could assemble a third line pairing that's very serviceable yeah. once everybody yeah. gets healthy. If we keep Ekholm for a little bit, so and Harper's a big reason why. I mean, Harper kind of looks like an Ekholm style player, so I like it. So rapid fire to wrap up episode thirty of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings sportsbook app. We're going rapid fire right now, and we're gonna make our predictions real quick. Give a couple minutes each here on. Who's going to get that fourth spot? I'm going to go first. I'm going to tick some fans off. But I actually think that Dallas is going to get the fourth spot. I think that the Preds are going to come close. I think they're going to keep us locked in until that last uh, group of games. But I actually think that with those extra four games that the Dallas Stars still have in hand, I think that Dallas is going to get a little more healthy because Dallas is dealing with a ton of injuries on their own. Dallas has a very defensively sound team. I think that they're going through their own rough patch right now that most teams go through. 
I think they're unfortunately going to get hot at the right time. I'm taking all my biases out of this. I think the Dallas Stars are going to crush our playoff hopes, and I think that they're going to get that fourth spot. I think the top three holds together for the most part, but I think the Preds, Blue Jackets, Red Wings, and Blackhawks are going to be the outside looking in at season's end. What about you, uh, Colin? Man, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that because they have so many games hands, I think it, it really depends on, you know, when they when they get healthy, if they get healthy. Because I mean, we you know we we stacked up against them. We did pretty well. We do stack up games. well against them. And the thing is, we get them, you know, basically next Thursday. So that's one game against them, and then we've got one on the eleventh. So hopefully, you know, I don't want. I don't you win say those that. head-to-head games, then you erase that four-game gap. Exactly. So my you thought process that. is, you know, I think that if we can get them, depends on how they recover from injury. If they recover quickly. Um, if they recover by next Thursday, then I think we're into some trouble. If we get one game there, and then if we can stretch it out and they don't get their guys back until after the 11th, I think we can make a difference. I think we can make a run. Um, we got uh, This What's is a tough prediction? call to make. You got to do it. Who gets the fourth spot? You know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the homer. I'm gonna be the the, the optimist here. I'm gonna say the Preds get it. They get they they make a statement this weekend, Saturday and Sunday against nice. the Blackhawks. Uh, and we ride it out. We ride it in. Which would also make our preseason predictions correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot riding on it. We, we I mean, we're gonna. The thing is, we get Dallas on the 30th too. I've just, I've just scrolled over back to the March. We don't. We finish out the month with them. So I think we make a statement Saturday and Sunday. They don't get healthy by the 30th. I don't think they get healthy by the first. We get two games against them in hand, and we can if we if we can even the series with Dallas all the 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 year series. Even going four and four, I think we have the edge. So, so. just for argument, just for argument's sake, just because I'm curious, who do you have? Do you have Dallas then coming in that fifth spot, just missing it? I have them fighting for Chicago for that fifth spot. Okay. I have Columbus playing a spoiler and helping us out and getting Columbus could against. be a spoiler. They're still one Columbus, of those teams. Columbus is the type of team that, for whatever reason, know. they. I mean, we beat them pretty handily, but they can play teams like they they've shown up against the Lightning before and played really well. They match up well I, with certain teams. I think they match up well with Dallas, and so I'm hoping I'm I'm not a Columbus fan, but hey, if they want to help us out, please do. So, so what do you? All right, Rich, it's up to you. What do you have here? Who's who's getting that fourth spot? It's tough. Um, I really want to say Nashville, but go with your heart, go with your brain. Yeah, but uh, history just does it. This season is not proven that. Wow, Stars beat the Lightning tonight. I just saw that. Yeah, yeah, right. I really, I don't know. I think. It's going to be tough to like pry Chicago out of there. Oh, I just, yeah. I don't want to say that, but it's just, I just, I don't know. I just have this you bad have Chicago. Feeling. You have Chicago going fourth spot. I do. Yeah. I think All so. Right. For, so far, I just think with, I don't know. I'm just waiting for something to happen with the Predators just to see. I mean, I don't know. Just the so season has been so, so up and down and just kind of crazy. All right. So you heard it here. We're all in different wavelengths here. I've got the Stars, Colin's got the Preds, and Rich has the Blackhawks for the fourth spot. So it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be exhilarating. It's going to probably be heartbreaking, especially if Rich or my scenarios come to light. But even if Colin's scenario comes true and the Preds get that fourth spot, there's still going to be plenty of heartbreak, trust me. This is hockey. This is why we love to watch it. We got to temper expectations a little bit because I mean, even when we, we kind of readjusted, you know, after the, the midway point, we're like, well, I mean, we're not a playoff team. You know what? We're right where we thought we were going to be at the beginning of the season. We said the ceiling is fourth, the floor yep. is six. So, you know, That's if, a good we, point. if we, we if did we're say in that. there, 
if we're in there, I'm okay. So it's a good point. We did say and that. It, and it all depends on what happens in the next week or two. If they do a soft rebuild or if they go full blown or if they don't do anything, it just, yeah. you just never know. It's and tough. you see Soros. I mean, Soros is playing like a man on fire. Let's we're going to stick with happens. our predictions. We're going to stick yep. with our predictions. We're going to hope that Colin's right, though, for sure. Yep. And until next time, we will see you uh, next week for episode 31. That will be fresh after two games against the Chicago Blackhawks. And we will also know by then if our bet on the show with our beards is Mm. going to come true or if it resets. We'll find out. We appreciate everyone listening. We hope you everyone safe in the southeast with all the storms rolling through. We appreciate you and love you listening and watching every Monday and Thursday night. Go download the podcast on all your major podcast platforms tomorrow morning. And uh, until next time, please tweet the show at Catfish Ice on Twitter, at Catfish Ice on Facebook. We're also on Instagram at Catfish Ice. Until then, everyone stay safe. Hey, hockey fans. I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo, and then we had a checklist of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who who he shoot checked over here. And then <laughs> I looked down at my favorite Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network.